Corinthians. We're reading tonight from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll pick up reading in verse 10, and I'll read through the end of the chapter, but Lord willing, we'll probably just look at maybe verse 10, 11, and 12 tonight from the third chapter. If you will follow with us tonight as I read from 2 Timothy chapter number 3, beginning in verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Apostle Paul, in this passage that I've read this evening, is giving us the last of his last words to Timothy. He is writing about things which are most important to say to this Christian servant of the Lord. You will notice in this passage that though what he says to Timothy is very personal, as it is in both letters, his words are appropriate for every Christian because the words in this passage is a call to discipleship and to faithfulness in following the Lord. Paul's words are also very appropriate because they tell Timothy and you and me to expect opposition from this world. Timothy and each of us tonight can expect false teachers always to be around. We can expect opposition and increasing persecution. He makes no bones about this with Timothy. He tells them that these things are prevalent in the last days, which began at the incarnation of Christ. And in the midst of these last days, dangerous times are very prevalent. And so these things should not surprise us. The words of our text tonight in verses 10 through 13, that particular section that I read tonight, are words of contrast. Now I say that because in verse 1 of chapter 3, he tells Timothy, you know this, you know this also, you know about the last days, perilous times, and then he gives this list that we've already been over of the characteristics of these days, not only out in the world, but even inside the church. And it's very discouraging. It's not really 
exciting or thrilling to read about this kind of a culture and this kind of a circumstance and atmosphere. If we'd all be honest tonight, there's not much out there that is really encouraging tonight. And a lot of what's out there has gotten in here. And so it is likewise very discouraging. He talks about the false teachers. He talks about these individuals who love themselves. And he describes them in very graphic and very powerful terms. He talks about men who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He gives an example of Old Testament men in the days of Moses who did the same. And he says to him in verse 9 that, But they shall proceed no further, but for their folly will be manifest unto all men. Paul is telling Timothy that this will not go on forever. People will not be deceived and subjected to false teaching forever. There will be a day when that will be over. And then in the midst of all of this that he's telling Timothy, he inserts a contrast. He has painted a picture of what false teachers are, what they do, and their character. And now Paul says, I want you to look. He said, you have known me. You have known my doctrine. I want to set my life and what I'm preaching and how I'm handling ministry, I want to set that in contrast to the false teachers that are going on around you. That's encouraging tonight, and it should be encouraging to each of us, because no matter how perilous the times, and no matter how deceptive false teachers are, God always has a remnant, God always has leaders, God always has believers who are true to biblical doctrine, no matter how bad things may get. And I know tonight it's easy to see all of the false. It's easy to see all of the things that are wrong. It's easy to look at all of the preaching and teaching that is contrary to the Word of God and think that everything has gone south. But that's not the case. Paul told Timothy, I want to set my life and my, con- and my ministry in contrast to these false teachers because you know me, Timothy. I've just told you how these false teachers are, and you know about them, but I want to encourage you and remind you to look, to look at my ministry and look at how you've been taught and look at what you know about the truth of God and be encouraged. I know you've heard me say on many occasions, falling stars may make the news, but I want to remind you it's the ones that hang in there that light up the night sky. And everywhere you look, you can find false teachers, and you can find false doctrine, and you can find men who go against the truth of the Word of God. But I want to remind you, there are still people who love this Bible, and there are still people who love the Lord. And tonight, in the midst of all of this falsehood, all around the world today, God's people, God's remnant have gathered, and this Word has been taught, and this Word has been preached, and the Gospel has went forth. The church desperately needs tonight men and women who are mentors and examples like the great Apostle Paul. Men and women who are leaders to those who are younger in the faith. In no way now is Paul claiming to be perfect. In no way is Paul elevating himself or his manner of life to the level of Jesus. That's not what he's doing. But Paul is saying, I give you a very earthly and a very physical and tangible and touchable illustration of what false teachers are like. I want to give you now a reminder of a very personal and tangible and touchable illustration of people who are living in your world who are true to God and true to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And so look around you tonight. There are people 
still who love the Lord and people who are still preaching and teaching the Word of God. And they are our example. And Paul knows this unique relationship that he has with this young preacher. He called him in the first letter, chapter 1, verse 2. He called him his own son in the faith. He loves Timothy. He cares deeply about this young man. And Paul also knew that Timothy knew him. Paul not only knew Timothy, but Timothy knew Paul. And that's what made their relationship unique. One of the things that happens when you get older is you sometimes think back about the people who have, who have influenced your life, the people who have encouraged you, the people that it seemed like when everything else was going wrong, it seemed like you could look to them and draw some, some example and draw some, some courage and some encouragement by knowing that they were faithful to the Lord. I've often mentioned here on numerous occasions my uncle on my mother's side married my sister his name was Leland Mayberry, very encouraging to me. He died young with cancer in his 50s, just a few years after I started preaching. But my uncle prayed for me. He encouraged me. He helped me to be a faithful preacher. Before he died, he left me a cassette tape that I still, that I still have. If, if you young folks this here don't know what a cassette tape is, you can look that up too and see what it is. But he left me a cassette tape that told me that he would be praying for me and that and that he loved me, and that he wanted me to uh, finish my ministry, and he encouraged me. And sometimes over my ministry, when I may be up against something, I would often get that out and, and play it, and just it's like it renewed your strength, because he truly cared, and he truly wanted me to finish well and do what was right in the sight of God. That's been over four decades, soon to be five decades ago, that uh, he made that tape for me. And Paul is telling Timothy here, I know you, son, and I know that you know me. And in spite of what's happening around us, and in spite of the world that's gone crazy, in spite of the men who have chosen to do other things rather than preach the Word of God, he is saying to Timothy, I want you to remember and I want you to continue in the things that you know that are right. There are so many hypocritical lives tonight, so many hypocritical ministries, that it's almost impossible to leak up with anyone anymore. That is what makes Paul's words to Timothy so special, so needful, so encouraging. Notice with me in verse number 10, the language with which Paul opens this section. He starts out with the word but. We immediately have a contrast in his description of the false teachers, but he says, they, referring to them, he said in verse 9, they'll proceed no further. And then again in verse 10, he presents this contrast, but, th but thou hast fully known, and then he uses the word my, you have fully known. He said, you know me in spite of what you're seeing all around you and what's happening inside the church at Ephesus. He said, Timothy, you know what sound doctrine is. Timothy, you know what kind of living Christians ought to do. Timothy, you know the purpose of being here in this world. Timothy, you know what happens when you stand for the gospel. He said, Timothy, you have fully known this. To kind of paraphrase what he's saying there, he's saying, you know all about me. It suggests deep intimacy. 
You only know about these false teachers on the surface, but you know deeply about me, son. You know that I love the gospel. You know that I love the Word of God. You know that I've been faithful to the Word of God. You know that I preach sound doctrine. You know that I've been very patient and long-suffering through what I've been through in life. And what he's saying to Timothy is, he's saying to him here, but thou hast fully known. That word fully known also means, I want you to come alongside of me, Timothy. I want you to accompany me on this journey and I want you to be faithful until the very end. That's encouraging tonight. Every preacher would say to his congregation tonight to come alongside. You fully know what truth is. So stand for that truth. You fully know what, what the Word of God says. So stay true to that. Come alongside. Paul is saying to Timothy, you have followed me. You have traveled with me. You have seen me in these afflictions and seen me in these circumstances. Now I want you to continue with that once I have departed. It presents to us tonight the picture of a disciple and his master. Paul is walking through this world. Timothy has been following him as a disciple. He is learning from Paul. And Paul is saying it's time for the master to go home. It's time for the teacher to depart. And I want you to continue to be a faithful disciple, as he told him earlier, so you can give that same truth to the next generation. And they can pass it on, and they can pass it on. I'm not interested tonight in passing on tradition. I'm not interested tonight in passing on physical heritage. That's not the issue. The issue is for us to continue in the truth of Almighty God because it is the truth that makes men free. Notice this command to follow. He is saying to him, But thou hast fully known. And then he will list nine things that he wants Timothy and areas in which he wants them to follow. Now our concern, our main concern here tonight at West Lenore Baptist Church is that sinners be converted to the saving grace of God. That's, that's our main concern tonight, is that people be saved, that they trust Christ as their Savior. That's our main concern. But in connection with that, we want those people and ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ, to be disciples, to learn the Word of God, and then to faithfully live out that Word and continue that. I know many churches tonight who want, their, who want their bylaws to read right, their statement of faith to read right, but then they have no desire to live accordingly. Well, Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to follow in this same pattern. I want you, you, you know me, you know my doctrine, you know these things, and I want you to follow in them. Let's just go down through these uh, rather quickly tonight. Let's look at this list. He lists nine areas of life in which he wants Timothy to follow him. Yes, the false teachers are there. Yes, they're powerful. Yes, they're inside the church. Yes, they're trying to deceive. Yes, they're deceiving people. Yes, they're working havoc against the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he said, Timothy, remember, you've been walking with me, and you've heard me, and I want you to continue being a disciple, being a learner, and doing the things that are right. First of all, he says, you know, in verse number 10, you have fully known my doctrine. He's saying, Timothy, you know what I have preached. When unbiblical teaching and preaching overwhelms Timothy from the false teachers, he can take courage from his firsthand knowledge of the true doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it for a moment tonight. If you were a sinner, had never been raised anywhere around church, had never seen a copy of the Word of God, didn't know anything about who Christ was, 
or anything of that nature, and you were just being exposed to all this false teaching tonight, think, think about how difficult it would be to find truth. I stood yesterday after the funeral service with a young preacher who was here, and he stood over here, on, we stood over here on the left, and we talked after the funeral. And he said to me, he said a couple men in my church came up to me the other day and said to me, asked me to pray for a neighbor of theirs who was a Jehovah Witness. And he said they asked me to pray for them. And he said, here's what my mem- one of the members said or something of that nature. He said, they said, you know, they believe almost, almost like we Baptists believe. And he said, I nearly come unglued. He said, I nearly come out of my skin. He said, I said, no, 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 absolutely not. He said, they do not even believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Paul told Timothy, it doesn't matter what the false teachers are teaching. You have known my doctrine. He said, Timothy, you know what I have taught. You're an eyewitness to it. You've been there. You've heard me rightly divide the word of truth. Paul's doctrine meant the true faith. It meant the true gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what may be appealing to people from the false teachers, Timothy, you know the truth of the Word of God. Do you know a preacher or a teacher tonight whose doctrine and whose teaching and preaching is sound? If you do, be thankful for that. Do you know men tonight who preach and teach sound biblical doctrine? If you do, be thankful for them. Pray for them. And allow their soundness and their commitment to truth to encourage you and help you remain faithful in these last days. Number two, he told Timothy in verse 10, not only follow my doctrine, but follow my manner of life. Timothy knew about Paul's way of life. He knew him probably as better, as good as anybody living. He had traveled with him. He knew him. Unlike the false teachers, the way Paul lived confirmed his teaching. What Paul taught and what Paul believed, thank God he lived it. And Timothy knew that. And Paul said, you stay in that course. Paul is saying, Timothy, you don't just say that you believe things that I taught. You, have, you are to live what you believe. That's what Paul wants Timothy to understand. He said, you've known my manner of life. He said, you know that I just didn't teach something and then live something different, but I lived exactly what I taught. Now again, Paul is not promoting himself. He is not doing this to make himself look superior. He is contrasting himself in this physical world to the false teachers that Timothy can actually see, touch, hear, and be around. Paul said, I want you to know there are, there's people here that you can be around that are still true to the faith. So follow my manner of life. I don't know anything tonight that we need more than Christians who live the truth of God's Word in their daily lives. I've said for years when I would hear men get up and and preach about the King James Bible, they'd just go on a rampage about the King James Bible. And I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I wish people would just live the Bible they carry. Amen? Just live it. I mean, uh, it's like Spurgeon said years ago, you don't have to defend the Bible. It's like a lion. You just let it out of the cage. It'll take care of itself. We're wasting time doing a lot of things that there's no meaning to. Live it. Paul said to Timothy, you know my doctrine and you know my manner of life. I have lived what I have believed. 
Verse 10, he also said, I want you to follow my purpose. He said, you know my purpose. If you were to have asked Timothy, if you were to have interviewed Timothy and said to Timothy, what is the purpose of this man Paul? What is his purpose of life? Timothy would have answered you rather quickly. He would have said the purpose of Paul living is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to every Jew and every Gentile and as far as he can geographically before the Lord calls him home. Could I remind the church tonight and each of us that's our purpose for being here too? Our purpose is not here to be wealthy and healthy and wise. Our purpose tonight is to share the gospel and teach the truth of God to as many people everywhere we can until Jesus comes again. Paul is saying, Timothy, you know my purpose, and I want you to continue in that purpose. And as I told you the other Sunday night, I believe Timothy did. How do you believe that? Well, thank God the gospel got to us, didn't it? Somebody continued. Somebody passed it down, and we're the recipients of it and the benefactors of God's good gospel. Jesus said in John 4, 34, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. My purpose is to do the will of God and to get the gospel to as many people, Jew and Gentile, as humanly possible before the Lord calls me home. Paul also said in 2 Timothy 2.10, he said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Paul said, I am here going through what I'm going through, living my purpose of life for the elect. I'm doing that for those who have been called to God's saving grace. Number four, Timothy, you not only know my doctrine and my manner of life and my purpose, but Timothy, you have known my faith. Paul was a man who lived by faith. He trusted in God. He leaned upon God, and that's encouraging and amazing. He attempted things that most men will never have, a, have attempted, and he accomplished most of them because he had faith in God. His salvation was by faith. His whole life was by faith. And could I remind all of us tonight that we are still living by faith. We have to trust in God and lean upon Him. So he said, Timothy... I've seen that same faith in you. Remember, he talks about that. I've seen that faith in you from the time you were a child. I've, I've seen that in you. And he said, you followed me in that faith. Now, keep on following the Lord in that faith. Number five, in verse 10, he said, you've also known my long-suffering. The word would be better translated patience here. The word patience is in our text, but it would be better translated another word. But here, the word long-suffering in our King James text is actually speaking about patience. And I think Paul is talking about Timothy witnessing Paul's patience with people. And he was a very patient man. Timothy had witnessed firsthand how Paul had put up with stuff that, that from people who probably should have been cast aside, but, but Paul was very patient with them. And he wants Timothy to be, be very patient as well. And this is encouraging to me tonight because sometimes I want to move on without people, but I need to be like Paul and Timothy and be patient because God may actually use that person to help build His kingdom and bless His people. So he said, Timothy, you've seen me be patient with people when I should have just cut them off. He said, Timothy, you be patient as well. And then number six, he said, you know my charity or my love. A true Christian disciple, a true preacher, a follower of the Lord, he must love. And Paul wants Timothy to continue to love people. Paul had loved people. 
False teachers love no one but themselves. They are out for themselves. They are the heroes of their own story. But Paul said, you've watched me, Timothy. You know that I love people and that I care about people. Go back with me for a moment there looking at your Bible and see how all nine of these work together. I've just mentioned six. But first of all, you get your doctrine right, and that means your manner of life will be right. You'll live out what you believe. And then that settles your purpose for life, which is to reach as many people with the gospel as you can. And then you live by faith, knowing you can't live it without God's strength and God's help, while all the time being patient and love people who don't see the same truth that you see. That is what Paul is saying to Timothy. This is the way the Christian life of discipleship unfolds. And that's the way it was for this young preacher. Sometimes I see Christians, maybe even preachers, who are all about doctrine. All they want to talk about is doctrine. And then sometimes I see people, preachers, who it's all about living right. Everything's about living right. Who lives right and who don't live right. That's all they talk about. But sometimes I see those same individuals who are not patient with others and certainly show no sacrificial love. If you're a father tonight, you certainly want your home to be right. Think about doctrine. You want your home to be right. You certainly want your children to live in a manner that would honor and glorify God. But you've got to know tonight, if that's going to happen, you've got to be very patient with those children. Sometimes long-suffering. It takes a while for all of that to kick in. You have to be patient with them. And you have to love them. When you see a person who is willing to argue and debate everything at a minute's notice, but shows no love or appreciation or patience for anyone else, that is not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that Timothy would be dealing with people at Ephesus and other places that would be difficult, be difficult to deal with them. And he says, you're going to have to show them charity. And you've seen me show them charity and show them love. I love the Apostle Paul, and I believe what he says here is right. I thought this evening about how Paul handled the intellectuals at Mars Hill in Acts 17, 23, when they were worshiping the unknown God. I thought how Paul could handle that doctrinal dispute. He could handle the intellectuals. He knew his doctrine. He knew his word. He knew the truth of God. And he could stand toe-to-toe at Mars Hill with that crowd. And then he could be so loving and patient that he could go down, when he was in, down there at Rome, he seen Onesimus down there, a runaway slave of Philemon's from Colossae. And while Paul was bold enough to handle the oppositional intellectualism at Mars Hill, he was loving enough to be able to bring a slave master and his slave back together because both of them belonged to Christ. That's what he's saying to Timothy. Listen, it doesn't matter if we just straighten out everybody on their doctrine if we don't love them and have patience with them. What good does that accomplish? 7, in verse number 10... He says, not only our charity, but there's the word patience, and that would be better translated endurance or steadfastness. That first word patience is talking about Paul's patience with people. Here it's talking about Paul's endurance and steadfastness, no matter what the circumstances may be in life. It's one thing to be patient with people, and another thing to be patient with circumstances. Some of us may excel in one and fail in the other, 
or fail at both, or some may excel at both. But it's different to be patient and long-suffering with people and then be patient and long-suffering in circumstances. Personally, I like to think Paul was talking about perseverance. The true disciple of Christ remains. And he knows Timothy has seen Paul when he should have run away, when he should have quit, when he should have thrown it all in. Timothy has seen him remain. And he said, Timothy, I want you to follow in that pattern. Number eight, he said, my persecutions. Paul had seen Timothy endure persecutions. And Timothy had witnessed Paul do the same. And he says, I want you to remain there. I want you to endure these persecutions. You're going to go through them. They're going to happen. And then the ninth one, the afflictions. Afflictions are the sufferings that we endure for the sake of the gospel. Not the, not, the, not the afflictions that we endure because we've made a bad decision, but things that come upon us because uh, we, have, we have shared the gospel, we have lived the gospel and the cause of Christ. One writer described these afflictions as the losses and the crosses of life. We lose in this life because we identify with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, Timothy, you have been there with me. You know this. You've seen this. And then he tells about them at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and the persecutions he endured. But then he tells Timothy, what a great encouragement. But you know, Timothy, the reason I'm here writing to you now is because the Lord delivered me from all of it. He rescued me out of all of that. You remember back in Acts 14, I'm not going to turn back and read there, but back in Acts 14, 18 and following, you remember Paul was stoned. Remember they stoned Paul and drug him outside the city and left him there for dead. You remember that from the book of Acts. And, uh, but you know, Paul didn't die. He got up and continued to preach. If you look at that and, and go the next few chapters where Timothy is introduced, it is probably in that context where Timothy first either heard of Paul or was introduced to Paul in that context of suffering and near death. And he wants Timothy to be reminded, no matter what the false teachers say, no matter what the false teachers do, you remember the Lord has the power to deliver you out of whatever He wants to deliver you until His purposes are complete. Here are nine aspects of life, nine areas of life that Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to look at my life in comparison to the life of the false teachers. Remember, it's the falling stars that often get put on the news. But it's those who hung in there and hang in there that light up the sky. I would love to be in a church full of believers tonight. But I am also very grateful that I am in a church with believers gathered together. Look around you. Not everyone has sold out. Look around you. Not every preacher is preaching false doctrine. Look around you, there are men and women, young people, who are truly serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of a culture, in the midst of an age, in the midst of a time when it's very difficult to be faithful to God. Paul knew those days were coming for Timothy, and he gave them, him these words of encouragement. And then we'll look at later, he said in verse 12, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. These words tonight are encouraging to me. I hope they have been to you. I know most of us have never faced the kind of persecution and affliction that Paul or even Timothy faced. But I know anybody who's serious about following Christ, the pressure 
his own. I was reading part of a biography of a preacher that I love to read after this evening. I was reading part of, uh, of a couple things he had said about his life. And he went back to when he was a teenager, and I related so well to it. Uh, and as I read it, it, just, it was like I was reliving my high school years over again. He, he, t- he told in the, in the story about his life as a young Christian that he was not persecuted like Paul or Timothy, but he said, I remember going back to school after I'd become a Christian, and I remember the first time I started feeling the pressure. You know, at first everybody's excited, you know, you know this, this person's been saved, been baptized, they've got a, you know, they're a Christian, great. But then the pressure begins to come. And as he was telling about his life, my mind went back to my freshman year in high school in 1970. Some of you may remember when the movie came out starring the Beatles. It was entitled Let It Be. And I remember it was showing at the movie theaters. I I didn't frequent the movie theaters because I enjoyed living and eating in my dad's house. So I did not frequent the movie theaters. And a friend of mine and me happened to be in town, and we stopped at a place to eat beside of the movie theater. And there were about a dozen of our friends who were there eating. And they came over and told me and my friend that they were going to the movies and uh, said, why don't y'all join us? Immediately, I began to feel the pressure. My friend said, okay, and I said, no, but I was riding with him. And Then he said this, no, I can't. I got to take Seyford home because he can't go. Now, that might not mean a thing to you tonight. You may chuckle at that. But for a 15-year-old Christian trying to be accepted among a new school of freshmen, that was pressure. And I began to question and began to ask. Maybe my dad's been overbearing. Maybe my dad hadn't caught up with the times. I didn't even like the Beatles. I don't know why, but it was just the fact of that little bit of pressure. That's not persecution. Please don't misunderstand me by no stretch of the imagination. But that is pressure. Timothy already is a very timid young man, a very a very weak young man bodily and physically. Paul knows his weaknesses, and he's telling him... These things are coming, but I want to remind you, the Lord delivered me out of all of them, and He will take care of you until He is done with you here in this world. We stay under pressure all of our journey. For some of us, it is an invitation to a family gathering or a situation that we know is not honoring to Christ, and we feel that pressure. But I want to encourage you tonight and remind you, you know the doctrine. You know the life you're to live. You know the reason that we're really here tonight. You know that we have to live by faith. And you know that we have to have patience with people. And we also have to have patience with circumstance. And we have to love one another. And we have to understand that sometimes the afflictions and the persecutions come our way simply because for no other reason than the fact that we are Christians and we are telling people the truth about Jesus Christ. But remember tonight, Paul said, He endured. And out of them all, the Lord rescued him. And thank God He will take care of us tonight. Be a follower. 
of Jesus Christ. Be thankful for those whose lives have been an encouragement for you to live for Christ. And live a life that your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren would want to look back and follow. I thank God for the Apostle Paul. I thank God for Timothy. Sometimes we make these men larger than life. We make them some great giants. But they were men who lived in a world just like you and I live tonight. And their faith and trust was in God. And thank God the Lord's seen them through. And thank God He'll see us through tonight. And He'll take care of us. Be encouraged. He's known Timothy's life. Paul said, follow me and continue to be a disciple. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the privilege to be gathered together. Thank you for the word that we've just read. Thank you for the truth that we've seen tonight out of your holy word. I pray you would encourage your children that are sitting here tonight. Lord, maybe someone sitting here tonight is feeling the pressure. Maybe the pressure of being approved. Maybe the pressure of being accepted in certain circles. Maybe the pressure, Lord, of doing something, Lord, that they know is not pleasing to God. Lord, maybe the pressure of giving in to false doctrine or false teaching. Lord, I pray you would remind them tonight that you have grace sufficient to help them. And then, Lord, help us tonight to be sound in our doctrine. May our manner of life reflect that soundness. May we never get away from our purpose, which is to tell the world about Christ and His saving grace. Continue to help us have faith to believe you. Help us to be patient with people and patient in our circumstances. Help us, Lord, to love people tonight, to love like we need to love. And then whatever persecutions and afflictions come our way, Lord, we ask for grace to live and to finish this course well. I thank you again for each one here. I pray for every need and request of prayer tonight. Now you give us wisdom in these days to honor you. Help us this week. Help our young people as they return to school again and our college students and our different ones that have asked us to pray. I ask you to be with us all. We love you tonight and thank you for your great salvation. And we praise you for being our Savior and our Redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.